Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. is mostly cheers, a few boos, as Trump enters the Clemson-South Carolina game uh, this weekend. So I think it was mostly cheering. Uh, he's, you know, he just had that entrance into the big fight uh, a couple weeks ago, and that was, you know, his, his, those were his people, and there were a lot of cheering. Um, so that is, uh, it was a big football weekend, not only there uh, and for some of the 2024 candidates, but right here in Missouri. I am Stephanie Bell. You're listening to Wake Up Mid-Missouri, and we are joined by co-host Mike Murphy of Como Buzz. Good morning. Good morning. Now, you're a big football guy. We I got am. to watch Watch a big Mizzou win. It was a fabulous win. Uh, it, it couldn't have been much more fun. A lot of uh, anticipation and perhaps worry about going down to Arkansas and laying an egg and the exact opposite <laughs> happened. You put a whooping on Arkansas. I couldn't finish this, the regular season any better. Just Which, inc- if we're going to put a whooping on anyone... Arkansas is one of the top candidates that I would choose. Yeah, me too. That was really fun. It really was. And I think just so much positivity I saw on social media and just for the players themselves, for the coaching staff, uh, and then excitement for, are you so... Okay, you know this about me. Sports is not my thing. I can't even tell you exactly who we're playing every week. I get confused. But uh, are we are we predicting yet what bowl do you have a do you have a vote um, on what where you'd like to see Mizzou go? Well, I I would take anything in the uh, New Year's Six, which I think was well, the feeling was it was kind of like going to be automatic if we finished the season you know in the top ten, which it looks like we should. Uh, but there's some uh, concern about that out there. So we don't play anymore, and there's still conference championships to play elsewhere. So there'll be one more week of shuffling in the polls. There's only 12 teams that make it into a uh, New Year's Six Bowl, which is what we really want. And I think we're probably fighting along the edge of that. You think, Brian? I'm. I'm. I, I sure hope we're in, but yeah, I don't think that's the least bit determined yet. And it's probably a hold your breath kind of thing. Uh, you know, Mike, you bring up a great point because we don't know what's going to happen in the championship games. And we also, I can tell you on Rivalry Saturday, a lot of schools that were in the top 10 darn near got beat. I mean, a.k.a. Georgia, a.k.a. Washington. I do believe Missouri does get into a New Year's Six Bowl, but it's not guaranteed. We won't know that. If I had to take a guess right now, and again, this is just a guess. Nobody knows for sure. We won't know till next Sunday. I'd say at this point, it would probably be the Peach Bowl could be the Cotton Bowl, but really they could go anywhere. They, yeah. It's just there's there's a lot of moving Fiesta parts. Fiesta Bowl also up for grabs. That, that's that's exactly right. And keep one thing also in mind that just could happen. What if Alabama beats Georgia? Which I believe they will. By the way, I believe Ooh. they will. Whoa. Hot take, uh, yes. Brian. Very um, hot. Uh, it's a very hot take. I'm <laughs> telling you, Alabama always plays them tough. But if they do, that is going to be a real interesting thing because. I, th- you know, the Alabama fans will tell you they should be in the championship if that happens. Now, Georgia would have one loss. That would throw the whole thing into chaos. So, but I do think Missouri probably gets in. But you're right. You, there is no guarantee. The resume is outstanding. You know, the two losses, it, it could, that, that LSU game could have been won and nobody's played Georgia tougher. Correct. But, you know, you're, it's, it goes to the committee. Uh, there's, they're going to pick 12 and, and, and we're not, 
We're down there around the cutting line. So, uh, and any of those bowls would be fantastic. I oh, think yeah. the fan base would just be fantastic. The exposure, it's a type of exposure that you can't buy at any cost. It, it, it's, it's an extremely positive thing for just a feel good thing, but it's also huge to the university because it gives them national exposure that you just, you just can't get otherwise. Yeah. So. The, Mike's absolutely right. And Kip Kendrick has referenced the exposure. It's just, you, you can't buy it. CBS, they pounded Arkansas. I do believe Mike and Stephanie and John, they do get in and Hannah, um, my gut feeling, it's going to be the Peach Bowl, and I'm going to just say I'm going to think it's going to be Penn State, but you're right. I'd sure be good with that. <laughs> oh, that'd be huge. Yeah. It'd be huge. Well, they have two losses, too. And how crazy it is is it that we're even like having this conversation. Yeah. I mean, rewind to July, rewind to yeah. August, oh. and here we're like, well, I'd be fine with the Peach Bowl. Yeah. You know, I'm fine with all of these wins. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's been an incredible season, and where we are from here, where people expected us to be this summer, and I think, I think there was a lot of chatter about who America's team is, and everyone loves to root for an underdog, yes. and then, of course, all of the Heisman uh, stuff surrounding Cody Schrader and everyone kind of pumping him up. It's just, it's been an incredible run. And I think what fun would it be to cap it off with like a New Year's Day bowl and another big win? Oh, yeah. be, be huge. And Mike Kelly on the broadcast on the Tiger Network, Central Bank Tiger Radio Network, um, Friday referenced, and I think this is absolutely worth mentioning. He said it on air. There was a time this year where Mizzou fans at Faroe Field were booing Brady Cook. They were booing. Um, in fact, I kn- I specifically saw one tweet early in the season that said Brady Cook was not a. It was a fan that said this, not a Division One quarterback. He needs to go to a school like Semo. Um, people were calling for Drinkwitz's head, um, and uh, you know, in that at uh, Middle Tennessee game, uh, they 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 barely won that. There were fans that were booing there. So it is a huge. Now you've got all these players up for these massive awards. Um, you've got an assistant coach. People's up for the Broyles Award. It has been a big magic. raise for Coach Drink. Uh, yeah, I, I expect the board of curators will probably have a, have a special meeting. What a turnaround, though, when you it, think it about is. it. It's that, huge. After the second game, I I, I, thought they, they I remember walking beat. home telling my wife that I'm not sure we'll win another game. Two two terrible <laughs> performances really yeah. headed into the, to the SEC schedule. I, I thought, oh, this is this doesn't look good, and then it just just turned it turned and it all it really turned in the kansas state game when mevis kicked the 61 yard (laughs) field goal but it has been magical you're absolutely right um and um in in that was a big deal. Boy, that game got ugly Friday. Uh, helmets being swung, punches, couple people ejected. But it was interesting, and it was it was great exposure. But man, a physical football game. Well, we're going to try to keep it pretty positive on this Monday morning for you. It wasn't, we do need a note, it wasn't a great weekend for mid-Missouri high school football. No. I think everyone who was in a uh, semifinal was eliminated here in mid-Mo. Um, so, sad close to us th- those seasons, but honestly really great that so many of our local teams made it that far that's right um we've also we we can talk a little bit about the chiefs later as well a good day for them even though taylor was um taylor was not there but i do want to get to this um we do have we want to talk about the jeff city murder yes. there was a murder in the weekend but first i want to do a quick introduction mike uh you've been on our show a number of times you are the publisher owner of como buzz Correct. uh but this is your first time sitting in as co-host here on wake up mid-missouri now you've got a show here on the station on sunday so tell us a little bit about como buzz about yourself about your new show so the new show is on sunday mornings eight to ten it's called um columbia buzz a little bit of a knockoff of como buzz uh, where we where we review local uh 
uh, current events, a lot of them that were reported earlier during the week during Como Buzz. Como Buzz is my attempt to uh, bring some uh, uh, more sophisticated journalism to Columbia, trying to fill a market niche in the uh, post-daily newspaper world is how I kind of look at it. I'm a career newspaper guy. My entire career was, I, I got my first job right out of college as a reporter. I spent about 10 years as a reporter, editor, uh, moved over to the business side, spent some time in sales and marketing, ultimately became, got to run a newspaper. They call those a publisher, became a publisher of a newspaper. Then as it kind of goes, you get a newspaper, then you get a, a group of newspapers, then you get a division of newspapers. So I spent most of my career actually on the business side. I arrived in Columbia when uh, Gannett, then called Gatehouse, purchased the Columbia Tribune. I was moved in here. I ran the uh, production, the, the printing and packaging facility down there. My job was to, uh, as the newspaper business continued its decline, was to consolidate the newspapers in Missouri and the surrounding five states into the printing and packaging facility there. Spent about four years there, had this idea for Como Buzz, really loved the idea of doing it in Columbia. Uh, had to sit out a year after I, I took a, so I took early severance, sat out a year, put it together, launched it in 2020, and uh, here I am, Got kind of got it off the ground. Uh, I think I'm picking up some steam, and I'm thrilled to be sitting here with you guys. Well, we're, we're really glad to have you, job. and I know we rely on Como Buzz. There's stories on there that no one else is telling, and so I've, I really appreciated your work. Um, but let's, oh, well, let's sure. talk a little bit about who else we're going to talk to today. We've got Scott Fawn from the Missouri Times in at 710, and then at 810, we're going to hear from Adam Deerhoff. It's been a while since we've talked to him, and of course, I know it's been a big deer hunting season for a lot of folks. He is the Missouri Conservation Agent for Boone County, so he'll be in at 810. Uh, we'll be talking to him about, I know we're getting early numbers. Numbers, uh, about hunting so we'll, we'll be excited to do that and then uh, we do need to get an update yeah. um, Brian and John John tell us is there any update from Cole County on this murder well Brian was able to track down uh, prosecutor Locke Thompson this is a Jefferson City woman in the Cole County Jail facing murder charges in the death of an 80 year old man Regine Redmond has mm-hmm. been charged with first degree murder and armed criminal action authorities not saying much about it saying the investigation still underway it happened on landing creek road on friday when they found an unconscious man who was pronounced dead at the scene and no name of the victim released but we do have a name on the suspect thanks to brian yeah john thank you uh yeah i did check in with uh, Locke thompson over the weekend and, and and last night her name is regine is is uh as john mentioned pronounced regine redmond re it's kind of unusual spelling r-e-j e-a-n-e she also a lot of people know her is regina is what the prosecutor told me her legal name is regine i checked her criminal record she has no essentially has no criminal record the only thing i can find is failure to register a motor vehicle she was fine for that so a lot of our listeners and now john's listeners at kws asking the same thing well what is the motive what is the connection between this redmond and the and the victim and we don't and the you know the the alleged suspect and the victim we don't know that may be in the court documents that will be released this morning. That probably won't be released until she's arraigned. The issue is the holiday. He's filed the murder charges. He confirmed that on the record. He can't go beyond it. Once the court documents become available sometime this morning, we may get a better idea. But I will tell you, our listeners, a lot of times those are redacted. John knows this, too. And we may not get a lot in there. Um, but there's one other thing we should mention. John and I have covered so many of these. What is significant about this is the charge of first-degree murder. Mm -hmm. That indicates the prosecutor believes it was premeditated. That is huge. That means that if he he chooses to, he could seek the death penalty. Hmm. 
All right. Well, we will be waiting to see if there are any updates from the court documents. And, of course, we will have those for you tomorrow on Wake Up Mid-Missouri if there are any updates. Um, tomorrow, actually, Mike Murphy is going to be in hosting with us. We're very excited about that. Uh, and so coming up next, though, we are going to have your daily D.C. rundown. Is Biden going to solve our supply chain problems? No. <laughs> no is right. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Tell your friends you listen to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. The final group of hostages under this current agreement should be free in the coming hours, but we're told there's a hitch. Reuters reports both Israel and Hamas have raised concerns over the list of names each side is planning to release. You mean there's a hitch when you negotiate with basically terrorist groups? There'd be a hitch? They'd want something in return? Um, I think it's really interesting, I think, how the national media has covered this. And the hostage situation is getting us into our daily D.C. rundown. Um, but they're, everyone's just saying, oh, my gosh, just the release of hostages. It's just being reported as, like, good news. But we're not getting these hostages for free, are we, Mike? No, we are we, we are certainly releasing um, folks out of palace, um, out of prison in Israel very dangerous people in return and we're negotiating with us with uh, terrorists and we're negotiating and you know there's some incentives i believe that maybe the ceasefire will go on longer and that they might release more hostages if we do x y and z it's just it's awful that we're in this situation and i think the way the incentive structure is set up it almost encourages them to take additional they're they're thinking okay if we would have taken more hostages up front we would be getting more now it's just why why would we put ourselves in this position it's awful. So, um, so we are, but I think, I mean, everyone's kind of relieved, especially, I think there was a four year old American girl released yesterday, but certainly there are, I think, more than a hundred still hostages, um, that we think we know about, that we think are alive, um, that Hamas still has. And so how the negotiating will go toward those hostages is really unclear. And then I think the, the four day ceasefire is set to end Tuesday morning and whether or not they will negotiate a longer, um, ceasefire with the release of additional hostages that we think has remained remains to be unseen yet um we know uh there's going to be a showdown on foreign aid that is coming up uh chuck schumer plans to hold a vote uh on biden's request for uh assistance for israel and ukraine of course that's really tied up mike in this uh funding for border changes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you have any hope of congress agreeing and getting this past the finish line yeah, I do, uh, but you can't have. Uh, I, I have. No, you cannot predict it. Um, <laughs> That's right, for right. Sure. I mean, you can have hope, and they should, but uh, things get hijacked, and um, this is the type of issue that can go and get hijacked and go in in, in either direction. Yeah, and, and I think the Senate's expecting a filibuster, so they need 60 votes to get through the Senate. But then we've already heard from some outspoken House members that they will not move forward uh, mm-hmm. any of these provisions without some wholesale changes to the U.S. border policy. And Democrats are saying we will not agree to any of these. Specifically, they're interested in changes to the asylum uh, provisions. And I think so Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema said those who are here seeking asylum need to have an actual claim to asylum. And they had passed some uh, provisions um, that never really got to the finish line about reforming the asylum system. And Democrats are just saying that's a no-go for us. And I think it will rebate a no-go. 
Now, the only thing, well, but the only thing that's kind of pushing back on that is is public perception about the border and the numbers about the border are so overwhelming that I think sometimes Biden and his and his allies have seen the the public. Uh, kind of backlash against how many people are actually flooding in. So do you think any of that public pressure might lead the Democrats to bend a little bit on their well, border policy? We've already seen Biden bend on it. Mm-hmm. So I would I would suspect possibly. Yeah, I mean, he's the one who proposed the border funding with this foreign aid funding. Now, it's it's yet to be seen whether he's doing that for political gain or whether he thinks, you know, putting in a little bit of stuff for the uh, border will will allow him to get his money for Ukraine and for Israel. What do you think? I think it's an easy thing to uh, negotiate to give some on the border because I think... Uh, regardless of your political position and your party's position, I think you can see the American people want something done at the border. I think that's right. Well, we also are expecting to hear a speech from Biden today on his way to on his his version of how to solve our supply chain uh, problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, oh, he's got can't wait for that one. He's got 30 steps to strengthen U.S. logistics. A lot of it has to do with just coordination among departments and increasing um, availability of certain data uh, to our manufacturers and shippers. For example, he's saying we're going to uh, take some new data from the transportation department on freight logistics and offer it to shipping companies. Like, why weren't we doing that already? Hmm. <laughs> so he's also, as part of his uh, announcement, he plans to use the Defense Production Act to encourage domestic manufacturing of needed medicine. So a lot of this will get into the medical field. We'll be hearing more about this from Biden as he unveils this plan. He's going to convene this new supply chain council. Hopefully it goes better than some of his other uh, recently enacted provisions. Um, but coming up next, we are going to talk. Columbia has a railroad, Mike. You were telling Columbia, me about indeed. this. The city of Columbia owns and runs a railroad. We'll be talking about that next on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Mid-Missouri's number one rated morning show. Uh, you might want to fact check that. I am going to give in. We can finally start celebrating Christmas. Hannah, I know you've been playing this song for like a month already and watching holiday movies. <laughs> but we've been having this ongoing finally. debate about when is the appropriate time to decorate? When can you start celebrating? And now that Thanksgiving is officially over, it's time. We can play all of the Christmas carols. <laughs> and I feel actually behind. Because Hannah's, Hannah's been on the pumpkin, pumpkin spice kick, though, since mid-September. Yeah, but there's also this like magical overlapping of seasons that happens, John, where there's pumpkin spice season and peppermint season, right? <laughs> and there's this period of time between late October and maybe late November where some places have both offerings on the menu, and it's magical. So you do like pumpkin spice in the morning and peppermint in the afternoon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crap. You get the best of both worlds. <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous. Well, we hope you had a really lovely Thanksgiving. I know. Hannah, I was talking to you this morning. Do you have an answer for me? I don't. I've oh, been trying on. to figure it out. What was your best bite? That's what I want to know. Everyone's like, ooh. You know, everyone hates on certain Thanksgiving food. But when you think about your Thanksgiving, what was the best bite of food you put in your mouth? So not I, like the best dish but no. you like specifically like a one, one a moment what like, what bite of food would you eat again like your top bite i know what mine would be my mother-in-law's pecan pie 100 percent. it was delicious 
Mike? I think the day after the hot turkey sandwich with the gravy over bread with the turkey in the middle. I, I, uh-huh. think, that, I think that turkey does it sandwich. for me. Yeah. Uh, that's the better way to eat yeah. turkey, I think. John, did you have anything that was particularly good? Gosh, I guess I'm kind of the traditionalist where you get the stuffing and the potatoes and a piece of turkey with the gravy all on one forkful and shovel it yeah. in. All in one. I don't even think I ate turkey. It's not I went very to, good. I went to several Thanksgivings and I think I opted for ham every time. So There should always be ham or beef as an option, I think. Um, I ta- My parents went out um, with my sister. We were visiting in Nashville and I guess they served prime rib wherever they went and I thought... That's the way to do Thanksgiving. That's like Mark Ellinger. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he said he was having beef at Thanksgiving. So uh, we hope you enjoyed your weekend. I am learning some new things with co-host Mike Murphy this morning and his website, Como Buzz. Uh, Columbia actually owns a railroad? Yeah, yep. The trains don't run in the city at all anymore, so most people have forgotten or don't know. The uh, depot is just north of the city. And it runs to the north of Centralia, 21 miles to Centralia. So nobody sees a train anymore. But so indeed, can I just buy a yeah. ticket and I can ride like no. the Amtrak up to Centralia? No, I think, uh, I can't remember the dates, but it did used to ha- carry pa- uh, passengers. Really? And then for a while, they made it into a dinner train and you yep. could you could make that ride. I didn't know but that. But no, now it just hauls basically for a couple of businesses out on, on Route B. But the city bought it in uh, 1987 for $325,000, which is pretty cheap if you think about it. 21 miles of a 100-foot easement between downtown Columbia all the way to Centralia. The reason they bought it is Nor- Norfolk Southern uh, was losing money on it, was going to uh, abandon it, and it was the primary way that uh, Columbia got coal to its power plant. Yeah. And uh, and the city of Columbia was Norfolk Southern's biggest customer. So the city purchased it and, and continued to uh, bring 50,000 tons of coal into its power plant every year until 2015. They switched the power plant there on business loop from uh, burning coal over to burning natural gas so they no longer of course needed the train to bring coal in but it continued to run so it services a couple of customers uh out at the end of uh, uh near the end of row b near the city limits honeywell brings uh, materials in there jb eagle brings materials in there mid-city lumber hauls lumber in those are the three primary customers um but they, they, they lose a little money. Uh, the railroad loses a little money in the hundred grand neighborhood. So not a lot. It gets subsidized to that amount. They have a transload facility. They bought a huge 85,000 square foot building. Another, uh, asset they didn't really want to acquire. The company, uh, ABS went on a business in 2008 or nine. Uh, the city had some guarantee on having to, uh, uh purchase this. So they bought it for two and a half million dollars. And it's a massive, uh, uh, it's got 15 loading docks, a 30-foot crane, and what it's used for is to load materials on and off rail cars onto semi-trucks. So they operate that out there. It makes a little bit of money. So it operates out there fairly, um, you know, obscurely. But what's happened is is the tr- they, they don't make any money. The city operates, their enterprise funds are reinvested back into the typical utilities. It doesn't make any money, so they've not done any capital improvements to the tracks. You're supposed to be able to go 25 miles an hour down those tracks. There's a lot of places they can only go 10 because they haven't been replacing railroad ties. Um, now it's all coming to a head because we got the bridge over I-70, which is going to be widened. The bridge has been unusable for a while because it had been hit too many times by trucks. A train hasn't come in towards town south of 
uh, 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 US 63 for some time. So this is all working its way to the city council to make a decision what's going to be the future of the railroad. Are we going to continue to, to run it or not? The railroad and the railroad advisory board just completed a study working with Ready and the University of Missouri, an economic impact study on based on those two businesses out there and what would be lost. And it's and trying to make an argument that what we would invest if we were to bring in a business like that, it's like 85 employees out there, like two, two and a half million dollars of tax revenue a year, an economic impact that you can make it into a, a, a lot of money if, if you want to, you know, do the arithmetic and the multipliers, how they do that. So all that's kind of headed towards city council to sooner or later, sometime soon to be uh, culminating with a decision of what's going to be the future of that railroad. Is there any ability? Did they, did they like ready? Did they say that we could attract additional businesses to that line? Should we invest in it? Yeah. Ready would like to see us do that. I'm not sure how, uh, aggressively or enthusiastically, but with the airport, or I'm sorry, with the railroad advisory board, any expansion, Route B is about filled up with industry, with spots to develop. Future development will be north of town in, in this uh, wooded area or undeveloped area that the railroad does run right through. So Ready would make the case or suggested that we have a, a pretty excellent benefit there that could really lead to attracting a certain new business or new customer. Uh, but you, I guess you have to make a decision on that's kind of on the come. Do you really believe that's the case? Uh, nowadays, is a railway really going to benefit a new uh, manufacturer or some type of industry out there or not? Uh, and, and indeed, then invest in this railroad and keep it alive. And I think it's going to be an interesting debate because there's people, there's both the practical nature of it. Yes, we should indeed do that. There's a sort of romantic nature to it too. There's a lot of railroad aficionados who want to see the railroad survive. And then there's the city council who's going to have to make the pocketbook like decision. So if the city council decides not to maintain the rail railway, what happens? Well, they would own about a hundred foot of easement between downtown and uh, uh, Centralia what they've done very successfully in the past is, is they've made uh, pedestrian and uh, bike paths, you know, throughout not only just the city, but the surrounding area. There's already talk about the, the, the tracks that basically they haven't been abandoned, but they can be in town. Uh, they run from downtown into our new uh, stockyard slash arcade district. So I think, uh, and then I think there's already talk about getting that into some type of, you know, pedestrian path. And obviously someday, probably in the future, there would be a vision that that could run all the way to Centralia. Wow. And when do we expect this to come up before the city council? Well, I think the driving issue is going to be the I-70 widening, which begins in the spring and it begins right there. So no pun intended, right? (laughs) The driving issue. Yes. Uh, No, that's that's important. And for anybody who uh, spent some time on I-70 yesterday, I spent a lot of time on (laughs) I-70 yesterday. It's going to be rough the next 10 years because from here to St. Louis, it's going to be under construction. Well, it was rough yesterday, yeah. and it was rough last year coming home for Thanksgiving um, from out of town, and I know a lot of people ended up parked. I think my original trip said I would be back by about 3, and I think I rolled into town at like 6. Oh, wow. I mean, it added a couple of hours. And, and I'm it was sure just... the kiddos did great with that, right? <laughs> they uh, were having a rough go of it uh, for the last tough. hour, and so were mom and dad uh, <laughs> having a rough go of it in bumper-to-bumper traffic. I, I think it was slightly better, but like it was just... You know, you could just, we needed a, th- a third lane. I mean, it was just yeah. slammed.
So I think, but as that project progresses, then you expect the railway uh, to be part of the discussion. Well, the bridge runs, if you look, if you notice, uh, the bridge runs right over I-70. Uh, it's it's right next to another overpass. So there's going to have to be a decision whether we're going to continue. I, I actually think that decision is already made. There's no way they're going to put that bridge back in there. So what becomes of the railroad in that area? Uh the, the, some type of long-term planning is needs is going to need to be to be made. And, I think for a lot of folks, Mike, they can remember getting stuck in traffic out by the power plant as opera cars full of coal. Sure, came in. oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we're not the only one that has train and railway drama. Hannah, have you seen this story out of St. Louis where the city is going to finally clean up the area down by the Polar Express? <laughs> did you ever ride I, the Polar Express? I didn't. I did see the tweet. Um, sort of, sort of like a uh, point of view yeah. from the train, and it was like a homeless camp. Is that what it was? And just trash. Yeah. And so, the, if you get you get on right there at like Union Station, and then you go down toward what is like the Four Seasons and the casinos. And so, I did this a couple of years ago. I it was expensive for all five of us to go, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> and I will say, like, you just get on, you ride like ten minutes, you know, straight down. And then you're, you're supposed to show up to like, quote unquote, the North Pole. And, and I think we're spoiled here in mid Missouri. I mean, we really are. You see like the magic tree, um, which was just lit this last Friday, the stuff that VU does with their lights display. I mean, everything you can see so many incredible things in mid Missouri and you show up and they've painted like a couple pieces of wood that look like a decoration <laughs> straight out of 1970. I mean, our set designers for our theater folks could do a massively better job um and so but now not only is the ending you get to this north pole that's not very nice apparently you pass a lot of trash and dirty stuff on the way to this and so you're supposed to be you know on this magical journey and it's it's not very magical and the city's like okay we're gonna clean some of that up john mentioned where uh the tracks cross business loop used to get stopped there all the time. Oh man! Still to this day, that's a horrible bump. Bump. The, the tracks are still there. You have to. Sl- <laughs> it's a natural speed bump that they left in. <laughs> the good news is, is they're about to fix that. Uh, it's been there for obviously for years. They just fixed the one on Rogers Street, and finally, uh, 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 an agreement. I just heard the story here at, at the airport advisor at the r- railroad advisory board meeting that uh, uh, MoDOT wouldn't allow them to pull those tracks out. Without then putting, the, if they ever wanted to put them back in, they'd have to go through the permitting process again. Oh. Modot finally relented and said, "No, we won't make you do that. So we can go ahead and fix those, fix that road." So they fixed Rogers Street, and it's a great improvement. And that really harsh bump along Business Loop is uh, scheduled to get fixed sometime soon here. Yeah, I know it's always bizarre to me to see a train crossing like right in the middle of town. John, I've been stopped there a couple of times right by Big Whiskey with, you know, they don't have a crossing there, but the train comes across uh, right there in downtown Jeff and it always catches me by surprise. All right, coming up next, we have some exciting other announcements about some Mizzou athletics you may not have heard about. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri featuring your mom.
Those are the cheers of our Mizzou women's volleyball team. Apparently, they have taken a two-year hiatus out of the NCAA tournament, and they will be returning as an eight seed. So very exciting. We like to highlight some of the uh, more off-the-beaten-path sports. We were talking, we've talked about lacrosse. What else, Hannah? Rugby? Uh, Mizzou wrestling's been pretty hot the last couple seasons. Oh, they have. And they just opened their season, didn't they? Yep. I think uh, so. Lots of other fun stuff. I know we like to talk about football and basketball and all of that. People kind of forget, you know, the high profile sports get all the news. But those athletes in those lesser sports are equally committed. They put in, you know, their entire life is invested so much in being successful at those sports. It's good to see them get some success and some publicity. Yeah, exciting. So if you are a big volleyball fan, you need to keep your eye on that tournament. Hopefully we can we will let you know when they play first. And I believe Mizzou volleyball was the first school SEC championship winner oh. after Mizzou went to the SEC. Some trivia. I might get, I might get fact-checked on that, but <laughs> I remember being really excited about that back in the day. All right. If you know, you can always text us at 573-874-9390. You can also weigh in. What was your best bite on Thanksgiving? Mine, for sure, pecan pie. It's really the only kind of pie I eat. I'm a hater of a lot of foods, and pie is yep. way up there for me. Something about hot fruit. Ugh. I just, I don't like any sort of cobbler pie, <laughs> but pecan pie is like the weirdest one. And it I'm is with my you 100%. Exception. It's my, my favorite too. Isn't it basically just corn syrup and gelatinous pecans? sugar? Yep, yeah. it is. But for sugar whatever. Sugar and more sugar and some, <laughs> yeah, like, and some pecans. For whatever reason, just it is. Just for some nutritional value, you know, there's sprinkle those in. Protein in the nuts, right? Something. <laughs> You've got you've got carbs. It's good for you. It uh, is good for you. Okay, uh, back to the real news. Uh, no, uh, the AP actually interviewed our own governor, and it's not. It's it's just rare. I think that we're kind of in the national news, and especially that the national news media is portraying Missouri in a positive light. Uh, and so I've really found this interesting. Um, the AP talked to the governor about him granting pardons. Now, he's kind of a law and order guy, well, though. Well, he's the old sheriff of Polk County. It doesn't really fit the fit the profile of the narrative. Yeah, and that's what people are saying. He's like, well, he's always been a law and order guy, so why is this guy granting all of these pardons? Well, what we know is when he first got into office, there was a uh, backlog of clemency applications. He had... 3,700 clemency applications sitting on his desk. Uh, and so he, th- his office committed, and, and we know this, right? There was a lot of work, you know, after the last, uh, the Greitens administration to try to get things back on track. And I think even some of those were held over from the Nixon era, um, with appointments and everything else. So his office committed to, hey, let's review a hundred of these, uh, a month. And let's start making some decisions. He has already denied 2,400 clemency requests, but he's granted 613 pardons and 20 commutations, some of whom we've actually had on the show. We talked to Demetrius Woods, who um, was the beneficiary of some of these actions, uh, but he's be kind of becoming known amongst other state governors as one of the most uh, forward on criminal justice. Mike. Well, near, well, nearly half were drug offenses. Uh, none of these are, uh, are, for the most part, very few are violent offenders. The rest are like petty theft, some uh, burglary, DWI, bad checks. But here's the key piece of information in there, I think. Uh, on average, the average 
uh, amount of time served here is 28 years. So these people have served a lot of time for nonviolent crimes. I think, yeah, no. So good on the governor. Yeah. Some positive press for Missouri. I think nice that he's working through those and that he knows that people can reform themselves. I think that having a little bit of grace um, in our governor's office is is really nice to see. So uh, good on him for that. Okay, coming up next, we've got Scott Fawn from the Missouri Times. We'll be talking about all things Missouri politics and apparently some more bad stuff about St. Louis. What's new?